Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. As we are in the first chapter of James, James, according to tradition, was the half-brother of Jesus. And when Jesus was doing miracles and raising people from the dead and teaching, James was not a believer. So as I've studied the book of James, I like to try to see the influence of what Christ said on what his followers wrote. Like I like to look at the book of Peter and try to make the connection between what Peter said in First and Second Peter and what Jesus taught. And as I've done that with the book of James, it's as a matter of opinion, it's not, it's not any way I can prove this, but it's almost like I see the teachings of Jesus in the book of James, but it's almost as if you can tell that when James originally heard Jesus talking or heard about Jesus talking, he wasn't fully on board. He kind of expresses the same ideas, but he puts a different spin on it. And if you have brothers or sisters, you know it's just amazing how somebody can be raised in the same household and be so different. It's just amazing. I have three older brothers, and we're alike on some things, and we're different. I was the youngest, so my parents were probably a little more laid back about discipline than they were with my younger brothers. And that, that whole dynamic works. So I think it's just neat that James was a, a half-brother of uh, Jesus. And so when we look at this, we should see some of that influence. Now, as we go through the book of James, you know, I don't know what each section is going to be about. I have to study it, pray about it, and really get into the Word of God and I don't go after topics. I don't say, hey, I'd really like to speak about uh, anger or I'd really like to speak about greed or something. But if it's in the text, it's in the text. So this is a case today where I came up on relationships because it's just human nature to, if you see a challenging topic, to maybe want to skip it. The question is, have you ever done the opposite of what you should have done. Now, some of you right away are looking at that and saying, where is he going with this? Because I know what he's capable of when it comes to mechanical things. So I was cutting grass one day. The lawnmower stopped working. Okay, so we do a little troubleshooting. I came to the brilliant conclusion that it was the battery that was the issue because I turned the lawnmower off I'd walked away from it for a while, and I thought, you know, it's probably the battery is a little weaker, and so I needed to jump the battery. Well, that's not a complicated process, so I thought. So I get these, I mean, heavy-duty industrial jumper cables, put them on the, the battery to my car, put them on the battery to my lawnmower, and the weirdest thing happened. It started smoking. I said, it's not supposed to do that. You know? 
So what did I do? You know, I said, maybe I just need to give it more gas. So, I mean, I'm just like, and what do you, what do you think happened? I switched the cables. And I know full well, you know, when I took them off, I said, I can't believe I did that. But what did it do to the battery? It was gone. That's right. But it bought a new battery. You know, because sometimes we do the opposite. We do the opposite of what we should do, even when we know what we're doing. You know, I've done that before. I've jumped at, uh, I've jumped cars. I've jumped my lawnmower before. And I don't know why I did that that day, you know, for whatever reasons. And, it, and, and it's like I didn't want to admit it. You know, I just didn't want to say, oh, no. And I kept thinking, well, start. Please start. And I put it on the right way, and I tried, and it's just, it just wasn't going to happen. I took the battery out. I put it back on there. I thought, maybe if I do this or that. But when we do things the wrong way, you know, when we do things that we should do the wrong way instead of doing it the right way, it has an effect. And sometimes we can't undo those effects. Sometimes they just cause problems, and I had to buy a new battery. And what we're going to look at today is there's some things in here that should be straightforward. But I think as a culture and as a, you know, people of God, you know, we have brothers and sisters who are doing the opposite of what they should do. And I've done that myself at times. And, and because we're doing this, we're, we're blowing things up. We're, we're, we're causing smoke when we should be hearing the roaring sound of that mower working. It's because we're reversing some things. And this first verse kind of, gives us the clue to what that is. It says, let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And my premise is today is that in many ways we're doing the opposite of this. That what we're doing is we are being quick to speak, quick to make assumptions, quick to get angry, and we're being slow to listen and really understand people, and really hear people. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to be in that situation. It's very hard to be the one that gets chewed out. And have you been in a restaurant or in a business or something? You know, maybe you were behind the counter, you were working there. You might be the owner of the business. You might be the key employee, the manager, and somebody comes in, and, and I've had people say this to me before. Sir, if you will just listen to me, I'm trying to explain something to you. It's like the person has launched this verbal confrontation, and it's based on false information. And you're sitting there, and you see the big picture, and you know the solution. You know, it would be... Like, you know, I walk around sometimes and I say, hey, anybody see my glasses? And there they are. Where are my glasses? What did you do with my glasses? You took my glasses. And it's like, Poppy, if you just slow down, let me get them for you. They're right there. And we do this. We do this all the time. And it blows things up because rather than slowing down the process and listening and getting an understanding of what's going on, we launch into a tirade. We launch into a moment of anger and frustration with people because we're quick to speak, we're quick to get angry, and we're slow to listen. 
So why is it that we do the opposite of what we should do in relationships? Because we've gotten two very important things switched around. The Bible tells us to be quick to listen and to be slow to anger and slow to speak. Because as I've been married almost 20 years and I've seen relationships and I've worked at different places and I've been in the classroom, I realize that we as a culture, we as a people, even the people of God, because we know the truth and we have so much knowledge, we know so much about the Bible, we know so much about things that we are so eager, even while people are talking to us, often we're thinking about what we're going to say. Often we're thinking about, have you talked to somebody? And you, make, you ask the question, you just throw in a question, and you realize they're not even listening to you. They're not even listening. What's going on? They're forming thoughts in their head. They're either thinking about something completely different from what you're saying, or they're thinking of an answer without even hearing you finish your, your uh, question or your your observation, because we've moved so fast. For Bible goes on to say that a person's wrath, dealing with the anger issue, for a person's wrath does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, what are the roots of anger? We can't really talk about why we're so quick to speak and why we are so quick to anchor anger without knowing the roots. And according to people that study this sort of thing, I did a little research and I came up with three things that basically trigger anger in us. First, it's fear. Second, it's pain. And then the third is frustration, probably frustration with people because they're not doing what you think they should do. So these roots, and if we're going to deal with this issue of anger, if we're going to deal with our anger issues in a biblical way, we have to address our fear dealing with the root of this issue, you know, that we need to look to God to do some things for us that we might be trying to do for ourselves. And when we try to do things in our own strength, often we are crossing wires and making things worse. Also, there's pain. You know, there's tremendous pain in this world. You know, we live in a world, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. If we're going to grow as a Christian, we have to accept the fact that we live in a fallen world. And there's a lot of pain as a result of that. Pain that we've caused and pain that others have caused us. So we have hurt and we have pain. And a lot of this pain has never been dealt with. There's issues that people have that can resurface. There's things that have gone on. You know, there's You know, when there's a problem, where there's a challenge in a relationship, some people are very outspoken and some people are more passive. The truth of the matter is, quiet people have anger issues and loud people have anger issues. It's not unique to people that are outspoken and very vocal. In fact, many people have anger that simmers inside of them that causes all types of problems. And whoever feels that anger... You know, God forbid you be the person that feels that anger because it's probably released in some context. So if we don't deal with these things, if we just ignore these things and bury them even deeper, there's going to be more hurt. There's going to be more hurt in our homes, in our relationships, in our jobs because God wants us to deal with the fear. God wants us to deal with the pain, the hurt, and God wants us to deal with the frustration. 
God wants to work with us in every one of these situations. Jesus said, you know, come unto me, all who are weary. And my encouragement today is I don't know every particular answer to your situation, but I know one who is the answer. That Christ, if you will come to Christ in prayer and in sincerity and reach out to him and pray and seek him, God will work with you in these situations. God will deal with your fears and give you comfort and peace. God will deal with the hurt and the pain. He might direct you to receive uh, professional counseling and help. He might direct you to get involved in a group of people and receive help and encouragement. I've known several people who've been involved in counseling and things like that from a Christian perspective who've grown and worked through the most difficult of issues, you know, and I believe with my whole heart that Christ is sufficient to deal with all of these issues, whether it's frustration, whether it's pain or fear. In humility, so along with uh, an understanding that anger has roots that need to be dealt with, we go to God's word, and this is what James says, in humility Therefore, receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The word of God being received in humility, where you come to God's word, not to consider it, but to do it, to obey it and act on it. In response to fear and frustration, we respond to it in two ways, either in anger, based on our fear and our pain and our frustration, or in humility, by depending on God and trusting God to work in these areas. Anger can be hidden or open. And if we're dealing with this today, and I think every one of us is dealing with a certain level of anger, you know, because we all experience fear, we all experience pain, and we all experience frustration. You know, when we're trying to do something, and when we work together, and we don't fight each other, Things can be done because you know what? God has placed us in a body of people where there are strengths and there are weaknesses. And learning to be part of a team helps to diffuse anger. And it helps people to grow because it deals with the frustrations of life that we, we travel together, we hurt together. And when you are hurting, there are other people who might not be hurting at the same time that you are. And they're able to encourage you and help you. And it's built on working together and having the humility to receive from God's word as well as to receive encouragement from people who desire that you grow spiritually. Become doers of the word and not hearers only who deceive themselves. Knowing and not doing is as good as not knowing, somebody has said. Now, what are some practical steps we can take in our relationships? What can we do? First, we can listen before we speak. And I'm telling you and encouraging you to be intentional about this. It's not natural. But if you will write it down, write yourself some reminders that I'm going to listen to people. I'm going to hear them out. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to allow people to speak. You know, I'm just going to just say when I walk up to a situation or when I encounter something where I've had some past uh, disagreements or conflict, I'm going to walk into that situation with a new attitude. I'm going to pray for God's strength, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make a commitment to myself and to my relationship with Christ 
that I'm actually going to listen to people. I'm going to allow, I'm going to maybe fold my hands and take a deep breath, and I'm just going to let people finish what they're saying before I interrupt them, before I try to contradict them or outdo them. You know, have you noticed that those things happen? You say something and somebody tries to contradict you. You say something and somebody tries to one-up you and say something. And how do you like that? Does that just encourage you to open up and talk more, or does it cause you to draw back from that person? It causes me to draw back. It makes it difficult. And I'm with kids all day long. I'm with junior hires and high schoolers, and I see these dynamics, you know, played out, and I see the results that they get when people don't listen, when they get corrected by a teacher or something, and the person doesn't listen. I like to watch, and I just watch situations escalate. And I think, you know, I pray. I said, no, I asked the kid later on in the day. Now, it didn't sound like it went that well in English class. Oh, no, that teacher did it. Of course, they're going to blame the teacher. I mean, I said, you really need some new material. <laughs> People have been, they were doing that when I was a kid, you know? I mean, I've heard that same thing. So what, I said, what did you do that contributed to that conflict? Well, just because I didn't do my homework. Okay. So there are things we do that contribute to the problem. And by listening, often we can identify where we can change. And you know what? It's a whole lot easier for us to change than it is to get the other person to change. It's a whole lot easier to ask God for the strength to make the changes that will improve the relationship than expecting the other person to change in the way that we, the particular way that we think they should change. The next thing in Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath. Speak with love and kindness. You know, have you ever uh, spoken to your dog and your dog does not understand your words? Did you know that? Your dog doesn't understand your words. Your dog perceives your voice. So I've looked at my dog, and I'm probably the only one that's done this. I've looked at Dexter or Biscuit, and I rub them. I talk really kindly. You are the stupidest dog I've ever seen. And the dog's just sitting there smiling, smiling at me because he, I'm speaking with love and kindness, but I'm saying really mean things. The dog doesn't know the difference. Now, I'm not saying we're like dogs, <laughs> but you know what? If we would... Just maybe slow down our, our aggression and just step back and try to speak with kindness and ask the Holy Spirit to give us peace and speak with love and wisdom. Maybe we would get a better outcome. Maybe the problem is not what we're saying. Maybe the problem is how we're saying it. Maybe we're speaking the truth in a way that's just harsh. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us and to grow in this. The next is to humble ourselves and to admit when we're wrong. We're going to get it wrong from time to time. We're not perfect, you know. And what I've realized is this is a principle. When the Holy Spirit is teaching you to do something, chances are you're in the process of doing it wrong. And that takes humility because God is revealing to you that you're wrong right at the same time that you're messing up so you are aware that you're doing the wrong thing and the enemy's saying you'll never figure it out the enemy's trying to just pile on guilt and shame and what the holy spirit wants to do is to say humble yourself 
receive God's forgiveness and learn. You know, just admit, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. Please help me. And that's the very thing that you, you know, you're, you might be making the mistakes in the very area that the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you. And if you will hang in there and you will walk through that period of just uh, humility where you have to be, it's like walking up on the stage and playing that instrument for the first time and the music's just go, it's going so fast. And there's so many things going on, and you're trying to you're trying to be in rhythm, and you're trying to be on tune. You know, I was listening today, as uh, you know, and I heard I heard a note on on one of the instruments. You know, and I immediately I turn to the musician and I watch them. They go, ooh, and they start looking for it, and then they found it, and then they smile. You know, and that's how life is. It's no different. You know, you can't come apart when you hit a wrong note. You know, because you're thinking, well, who's he talking about? Because you don't know, because they didn't make it obvious. The only way I knew is I heard it, and I looked for it, and I, I, I had to look for it. And that's how it is in our personal life. You're making mistakes that you probably feel horrible about, and probably nobody even notices them. They might, but if you will just trust God and ask God to help you and keep telling God, asking God for forgiveness and go to people and ask them for forgiveness, you know in time you're going to get in rhythm. In time, you're going to get in tune to what God is saying, and you're going to grow in that area, and it's not going to be a weakness. And the beautiful thing is, is you're going to be able to help other people. You're going to be able to encourage people. Every single person in this room is working through issues and relationships, every one of us. It is the challenge we have being in the world but not of the world, you know, is relationships. Our finances, our health, and our relationships – relationships are a big part of our Christian life. So if you and I are struggling in that area, it's very normal. It's very part of our growth. Our spiritual growth is to walk through these things. And these are three practical things that we can do that will enhance us in our relationship. It will help us in our marriages. It will help us raising our children. It will help us with our grandchildren, with our brothers and our sisters, and even people here at the church. If we honestly, if we did this, if collectively we had this as our protocol, there would be enhanced relationships even in our community. If we would listen before we speak, if we would speak with love and kindness, and that we would humble ourselves and admit when we're wrong. Now, if you plan on doing this, like if you're going to start admitting when you're wrong, please let people know so that we don't have any cardiac arrests in here. Because some of us, if we actually would admit that we were wrong, it might make people see Jesus. It would scare them so much. I mean, you probably know somebody like that. I know there's nobody here like that. There's probably some of us that when we say we're wrong, people are like, whoa, what's going on? So it would, it would be a move of God if we, if we simply said, you know what, I'm going to make a habit this week of when I'm wrong, I'm going to go to the person and ask for forgiveness. It'd be life-changing. And I believe, I think I've told you that I made a mistake before I was saved with a friend of mine, and the Holy Spirit convicted me one day when I was having my devotions that I needed to call that friend up and ask his forgiveness. And as a result of that conversation, that friend actually became a Christian, and he is serving the Lord to this day. 
if we will admit when we're wrong and ask people to forgive us, it's not going to have a negative effect. It's not going to make you look bad because they already know you did wrong to begin with. It's going to actually improve your credibility and it potentially has the potential to draw that person to Christ. So let's pray and I encourage you to take uh, these steps. The Holy Spirit is not convicting anyone here today for someone else. If God is talking to you, the word is for you. And as I prepared this message, I wanted to say that with my whole heart, that nothing discourages me more as a pastor is when somebody tells me, I hope so-and-so heard that. Because I'm only talking to the person I'm talking to. Word is spoken to us, it's for us. It's not for us to go, you know, no matter what I say today, I'm not going to go home and be so foolish to imply and tell my wife, look, this was directly for you. I'm not so foolish to do that. You know, and, and why, why wouldn't I do that? Because that's not what the purpose is for me to hear. What is the Holy Spirit saying? What is the Word of God saying? And ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, God can take care of my wife. You know, he can speak to her. And I can encourage, I can pray for her. You know, I can speak the truth in love, and she can do the same thing. But what she doesn't need is for me to tell her what the Holy Spirit is saying to her. That's for the Holy Spirit to do. You know, if I will live it out, if she can see the change in me and see God doing something in my life, it will encourage her without me trying to point out her faults as I perceive them. That just doesn't work. That doesn't work, and we don't ever need to do that. It's ineffective. It's foolish. It actually, that is also putting the red on the black. You know, if we want to grow spiritually, then we need to listen to the Word of God and, and listen to God and not be thinking about where other people are doing things wrong. It should never cross our mind when we hear the Word of God that so-and-so needs to hear this, you know, unless it's in a positive way, you know, where you think, well, you know they're not saved, and you say, well, the gospel was preached. I'd love for them to hear that. That's different. But for you looking at a particular weakness in somebody that you've observed and thinking, well, they need to hear a sermon about anger or something like that, God is, God is, got a, he's got a challenge if we think like that. We have to be teachable and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. If someone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, this one is like a person who considers their natural face in a mirror. For they consider themselves intensely and depart and immediately forget what sort of person they are. How much time do you spend looking in the mirror? So what should we be looking at according to James? We should be staring into the word of God. It says the one who looks closely into the perfect law of liberty and remains in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who acts this one is blessed in their doing. Happy are you if you do these things. Jesus said if you know these things and do them, you're happy. If anyone seems to be religious while not bridling their tongue, while not controlling their tongue, so that their anger doesn't pour out through their words. Think of how hurtful that is when we feel that intense anger and we spew out in anger words that penetrate other people. But deceiving their heart, the religion of this one is worthless. 
But I say to you, this is Jesus, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. That's why we should be careful and slow to speak, because we're accountable for our words. Not only that, we're often embarrassed by our words because they hurt people and they embarrass us. So the Bible's encouraging us to just slow down in our speech to make sure we're speaking words that are encouraging. This is religion that is pure and undefiled before God our Father, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. How are we to respond to God's word? We should listen to God and other people. We should practice careful speech. We should develop a humble demeanor. And finally, how we treat other people is an indicator of our character. How we treat other people is an indicator of our character. And the point being that James was making when he talked about widows and orphans, what's the connection between a widow and an orphan? They're people that don't necessarily defend themselves. And how we treat people when we're in a position of power. You know, when you walk into a restaurant, you're the position of power. You're the customer. And that employee is there to serve you and me. When you're the boss, you're the one in power. The people work for you. When you're the parent, you're the adult. You're in power. And when God gives us those positions of power... He expects us to demonstrate character in the way we treat people who depend on us. You know, because we've been in the other situation. We've been the child. We've been the student. You know, we've been the employee. And we know how we feel when we get mistreated. And so when God turns things around, I try to tell people in the classroom, you know, you're not always going to be the student. You're going to grow up and you're going to be the parent. You're going to be the boss. You're going to be the owner. You're going to be in a position of power. So my goal, my job here is to teach you in such a way that when you get in that position, when this role is reversed, that you do everything that's going through your head now that should be done, that you serve people and help people in a godly way, and that you learn and grow and this time of learning and testing and developing produces some character traits in you so that you can help and serve other people. Now, some of us in this room are now in those positions of influence and power. And we have that added responsibility because if we do the wrong thing, it's very possible nobody's going to say anything to us because we're the boss, we're the parent. We're going to get away with it, so it appears. But guess what? We're not getting away with it. We're not. Words have consequences. Actions have consequences. And if we're mistreating people, and if we're not being Christ-like, if we're not listening to people, if we're not speaking with love and kindness, over a period of time, it's going to come back, and it's going to come back around to us, and we're going to regret it. But if we will do the right thing when we're not forced, when we're free, when we're free to, you know, just to be the person we should be, when we do the right thing, when we're not pressured, when we go and treat people. You know, I have a friend here in town. He's a, he's a musician, and he goes and plays at the nursing homes. And with all of his tremendous talent, you know, 
and, and being very capable to record. And I think he's, he's got some recordings and is doing much better, and he's starting to be noticed and things like that. But for many years, you know, I'm going back almost 10 years ago, he was singing in that nursing home where nobody noticed other than those people. And I thought that was, that, that just, that spoke so much to me. That encouraged me so much that this man wanted to use his abilities and his talents to help and serve other people without just trying to impress and be noticed. It's those types of things when we focus on character and love and kindness and humility that purify us in a sense. It cleanses out our motives. It makes us far more effective in every thing that we give, we will receive back a hundredfold. I believe that my whole heart. I believe that when we're kind to people, when we invest in people, when we love other people that other people don't notice, I think you can build a mighty army of God to reach the world by simply noticing people that other people overlook. That there are so many overlooked people in the community that other people don't notice people that you can listen to and care about and show the love of Christ, that if we at a church would simply just turn things around from being quick to anger and quick to talk all the time to just being listeners and work kind word speakers and encouragers and noticing the unnoticed and noticing people that other people overlook, if we would simply love people that are being left out and build people up, then we would grow in our influence in the kingdom of God. We would help more people. What is a Christian? I've been thinking about this uh, this week. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who shares the mission of Christ. A Christian who's someone who lives their life for the purpose of fulfilling the mission of Christ. What was the mission of Christ? To reach people with the gospel and teach them how to follow and obey him, bringing glory to God. To reach the hurting, to reach the disadvantaged, to reach people, and to help them in being healed, being connected, and growing spiritually. If we would reach other people with the gospel, with the character of Christ, then we would build our connection to the purpose of God and that would be the most fulfilling thing that we can do with our lives. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.